This is the Foreign Affairs Inbox, a podcast providing analysis of critical global issues by the Elliott School of International Affairs here at George Washington University. And I'm your host, Koji Flindo. Hello, all. Uh, welcome to the Foreign Affairs Inbox International Women's Day Edition. My name is Taylor Galgano. And my name is Emma Anderson. And we are very excited to be doing this takeover today here. I guess, Emma, do you want to start it off? Yeah, so we're really excited to be here with our guest, Dr. Shirley Graham. She is the director of the Gender Equality Initiative in International Affairs, as well as an associate professor here at the Elliott School. Her doctoral research has focused on gendering processes in, the, in militaries and the role of gender in peacekeeping, presenting a critical alternative discourse on gender and conflict. So, Dr. Shirley Graham, could you talk to us a little bit about International Women's Day? And sort of the history behind it, how it got to be what it is today? Delighted to. So, International Women's Day is the 8th of March, and this is a day where we get to celebrate women's achievements globally, but where we also get to look at uh, issues related to gender equality, women's rights, and women's empowerment. So, it's a fantastic day where we gather and where we can review progress, but also plot the journey ahead. Yeah, that's so exciting. So how did it first start? I think we were talking about recently how I think the International Women's Day just celebrated a 100-year anniversary in 2011. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk about how that came to be in 1911 and what kind of came behind that? Absolutely. Um, In 1910, 100 women gathered. It was the International Conference of Socialist Women, and they were gathering in Copenhagen in Denmark. And during their deliberations, they decided to call for an International Women's Day. Um, And what was so exciting was a year later, it became International Women's Day, but it wasn't until 1975 that the UN formally acknowledged it globally. Mm. Wow. So did you actually, did she mention that it was a, a socialist founded? I think I heard that. It's a socialist I, I did hear it? that. That's so interesting. What is, what is that about? How do you think, do you think people know that? Because socialism has kind of a very interesting sort of perception here in the US. Do you it think does. a lot of women celebrating today know that it's kind of has its roots in socialism? I, I think generally it wouldn't be very well known. I mean, at that time, you have to remember the period of history. This was first wave women's rights activism and first wave feminism. So at that time, women were fighting for suffrage. Women at that point couldn't vote and they were looking for access to voting rights and also to run for election. Mm -hmm, So it was a radical time in history Mm -hmm. and many women's rights groups were focused on issues to do with feminism, to do with nationalist causes, and to do with socialist causes. And this was really the beginning of transnational feminism. So this is when women were beginning to share their ideas across national boundaries and to really coalesce and create solidarity on women's rights issues. Right. It's so interesting that you were saying how that was a really radical time for women when it was defined as like kind of a socialist movement because some would say that that's happening right now with kind of the resurgence of socialism and that this is kind of a radical movement too. And it's interesting that we just celebrated the 100 years in 2011 so it's kind of reflecting in a way. Interesting. Well, we're definitely in a radical moment in terms of the Me Too movement and the whole development of that conversation conversation and that discourse around violence against women, around gender-based violence, and around discrimination, particularly in the workforce. So the fact that we have now so normalized conversations around violence in terms of understandings around violence and the high numbers of women who are experiencing violence in the workplace and discrimination, Mm -hmm. this is a really important moment. 
so that we can move uh, this issue on and that we can put in place policies and laws that will help to eradicate this form of discrimination. I heard that you said that although International Women's Day kind of started in 1911 in uh, Copenhagen, it wasn't recognized by the UN until 1975. So do you think that the UN kind of since then has been doing enough to support women and to support kind of how it celebrates the holiday? Well, we're in a re- another really interesting moment in women's history. And just to bear in mind, March is also Women's History Month. Right, as well right. as celebrating International mm-hmm. Women's Day, we have Women's History Month. So we have an opportunity to reflect on all the activism and advocacy work that has been done by women globally and internationally in recent history and, you know, in the last hundred years and before that. So when you're talking about 1975, so this is another really important historical moment because now yeah. we're in second wave feminism. Yeah. And so at this point, women are uh, raising awareness around gender-based violence. And they're also raising awareness around issues such as domestic violence, violence within the home and intimate partner violence and around unpaid care work in the home and reproductive rights. And at the same time, we had the first international women's conference, UN Women's Conference in Mexico City. So now at this stage, the UN are recognizing the importance of having a day, the 8th of March, to globally celebrate women's progress. So so it's really interesting, actually, because I just remembered something, too, something that really coincides with International Women's Day. It's also the Commission on the Status of Women, which, True. as we know, begins tomorrow. Um, Shirley, have you ever attended CSW? And for those of our listeners right now who might not know what we're talking about, do you want to give a little background on what the Commission on the Status of Women is? Yes, happy to. So the Commission on the, on the Status of Women was the first UN institution that focused on women and women's rights and gender equality. Okay. So the UN... The UN was obviously set up in 1945, post-World War II, and then the Commission on the Status of Women was created in 1946. So again, when we're thinking about Women's History Month in March, there's a very interesting history to the Commission on the Status of Women. At that time, you had a number of women leaders who were diplomats, who were intelligence officers, and some of them had been spies in the Second World War. And they were coming together to influence not only the creation on the Commission on the Status of Women, but the wording in the UN Declaration of Human Rights as well. They wanted to ensure that women and women's rights were included in the Declaration as well as men's. So one of the key women was Bodil Bechtrup. And most people will not know of Bodil. Bodil um, was a Danish woman diplomat, and she was instrumental in the creation of the Commission on the Status of Women. At that time, there was a debate happening between the women themselves, and there was a debate around whether we mainstream gender equality issues and women's rights through the UN itself. Mm or whether we have a separate commission that focuses specifically on women and women's rights. And so this debate was mainly between Eleanor Roosevelt, who was very much focused on the mainstreaming of women's rights issues, and then Bodil, who was on the other side of this debate, who wanted to have a standalone commission. Mm. And her argument was that Currently, we just don't have enough data on the position of women globally in different specific contexts and in different countries. And we really need our research, we need our statistics, and we need our data so that we can produce effective policy that makes a difference in the everyday lives of women. What is really beneficial with CSW 
is it creates an opportunity to raise visibility, particularly of issues that generally don't get covered, that don't get covered in the media, that there isn't that much awareness of, and that may be particular to a specific country or that may be quite niche. So you have an opportunity to raise issues. You also have an opportunity to invite members of your own government Mm -hmm. to these panels and to advocate on behalf of your own particular um, policy transformation and program development and to engage with those policymakers on these issues. Why do you think that it's important to have women in this role of peacekeeping and why it's important to have women in addition to men? I think there's a number of reasons why it's important to include women in peacekeeping as well as in military police. So, yeah, it's a great question. If you rewind to UN Security Council Resolution 1325, that was adopted in the year 2000, and that's specifically focused on the inclusion and participation of women in peacekeeping as well as in all peace processes. So if you then bring women in, why are you bringing women in? So there's a number of different reasons. For example, if you have checkpoints in a conflict, post-conflict situation, in terms of being able to provide dignity to civilian women, you need to have other women there who can search them, for example. This is also important for counterterrorism, and it's also important for a number of other reasons in terms of the peacekeeping unit itself. So when you have more women in a peacekeeping unit, it actually builds up trust in the local community when they see women peacekeepers alongside male peacekeepers, because local civilians can reach out to women peacekeepers, and also because 50% of the population is women, and And in many populations and many cultures, especially traditional cultures, women are often not able to communicate or speak directly to men. So therefore, they'll be excluded from sharing their concerns, their needs, their issues with the peacekeeping force that are in their country. So there are several reasons why it's important to include women. But getting back specifically to your question about the all-female military police units, they've been absolutely key in places like Liberia, Monrovia. So during Unmill's time there, which was 2003 to 2018, we had an all-female military police unit from India who went in. And they went in specifically to train local women to encourage and inspire them to become members of the police force there. So that was very much about um, being able to reach out to the local women, civilian women, and to be able to report on issues to do with sexual violence during the conflict there. Um, we understand that for today's celebration, there's quite a bit going on in the Elliott School. Do you want to kind of talk about the photo exhibition going on? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So on the second floor of the Elliott School, um, we have a photo exhibition of 35 women. So the majority of these women ran in the U.S. midterm elections and also a high percentage of them, most of them, won seats in the elections as well. So this is obviously a very important gain for women, not only in the U.S., but for women globally. So we also include in that exhibition photographs of women leaders from the Me Too movement in different parts of the world. So we're linking together the importance of increasing women's political representation to talk about gender equality issues and to put in place policies and laws that very much support women and that end discrimination within different countries around the world. So we're very excited to be having that exhibition and it's running until the end of March. For today's International Women's Day, Shirley, what are you personally hoping for? 
Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. So what I'm really hoping for is that more of our students here in the Elliott School will conduct research on gender issues. So we really need more research on masculinities. We also need more research uh, in relation to men and also conflict and violence. And so it would be wonderful if more of our students were to engage in this topic. Of course, I'm going to say that I'm the director of the Gender Equality Initiative. <laughs> in international affairs. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's a great wish and I really yeah. hope that comes true. I thought we should take her up on that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much for coming, Shirley, and having this dialogue with us. Yeah, it was such an interesting topic. Yeah, you were so insightful on many of these topics. Happy International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day. Thank you guys for listening. You've been listening to the Foreign Affairs Inbox from the Elliott School of International Affairs. If you like what you heard today, hit subscribe and rate us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, tell a friend. It really helps people find the show. Our show is produced by Social Grinder, and our editor is Christina Wan. Thanks to the public affairs team, Robin Kahn and Colette Kent, for their collaboration. I'm Koji Flindo. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.